Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how spies can use light bulbs to eavesdrop on conversations. Then we'll answer a listener question about why atoms remind us of our solar system. You'll also learn about how you predictably lower your standards when waiting for the best option. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Researchers have announced a breakthrough in espionage technology. They call it Lamp Phone, which I know might sound more Maxwell smart than James Bond. And yet, this new technology could be a cheap way to eavesdrop on faraway conversations using nothing more than the flickering of a light bulb. So here's how it works. When someone talks, only the tiniest fraction of their sound waves end up landing on an eardrum. Almost all the energy is absorbed into the floor and the walls and the ceiling and objects around them. The information encoded in those sound waves is typically lost for all practical purposes, but the researchers behind LampPhone have figured out how to recover just enough of it to recreate what was said. They used a telescope and a light sensor to measure the very slight vibrations those sound waves create on the surface of a light bulb. Then they used software to transform that analog signal into a digital one, which a special algorithm could convert back into sound. If you already have a laptop, the whole setup costs less than $1,000. If that wasn't unsettling enough, get this. The researchers tested their design by training a telescope on a light bulb inside an office building. In the office, they played two recordings, a speech from a politician and the Beatles song, Let It Be. They camped out on a bridge 80 feet away and used the system to listen in. And the results were surprisingly good. The sound they recovered was so high quality that a digital transcription program was able to turn the audio of the political speech into text, and the listening app Shazam recognized the recovered audio version of Let It Be. This new technology doesn't mean anyone can listen to any private conversation. Now, for one, it requires a clear line of sight between the telescope lens and a light bulb in the room you want to listen in on. And while the researchers weren't using top-of-the-line sensors, they did a few things to stack the deck in their favor. The light they used was a bare bulb hanging from the ceiling. Great for picking up vibrations, but not so common in real life, unless you're in a generic movie set designed to look like an interrogation room. They also started from recordings that were played at a louder volume than typical human speech. Still, if you want to have a top-secret conversation, I'd recommend stepping into the hallway just in case. We got a listener question from Mohana, who writes, The structure of atoms is the same as of our solar system. So if the solar system has an atom-like structure, and in turn has atoms in it with a solar system-like structure, is our solar system basically a huge atom? That's a far-out question, Mohana. But unfortunately, there's one problem with your premise. The structure of atoms is not the same as our solar system. I don't blame you for thinking so. Instead, I blame physicist Ernest Rutherford's so-called planetary model of the atom, which, I hate to break it to you, was shown to be wrong way back in the 1910s. And yet, science textbooks still use it as a diagram of the atom. What's up with that? So the planetary model makes it look like electrons orbit a nucleus, like planets orbit the sun. 
But by the 1920s, scientists had figured out that electrons are a lot stranger than that. They can behave as particles and as waves, and they don't so much orbit as they kind of exist in every place around the nucleus at once. Well, not every place. Electrons inhabit discrete energy levels at different distances from the nucleus that are maddeningly called orbitals. But like I said, they don't orbit like planets. This is quantum physics we're talking about, where impossibly tiny particles exist more in fuzzy probabilities than in exact locations. While you could never see what an atom really looks like because it's too tiny for light waves to reflect off of it, you can imagine an atom as a tiny nucleus surrounded by a huge spherical cloud of fuzzy electrons, not a flat solar system. But have you ever wondered why the solar system is flat like it is? Especially considering the fact that planets are round? Well, it all comes down to the forces at work. The main forces that shape a planet are gravity, which pulls inward, and pressure, which pushes outward. You have to find a shape that strikes a balance between those two forces to keep the planet from breaking apart. It's a lot like sculpting clay on a pottery wheel. If you make any old shape and then make the wheel spin really fast, clay will splatter everywhere. But if you create a perfectly round bowl, you can spin the wheel as fast as you'd like and the bowl will retain its shape. It has reached equilibrium. For a planet, that perfect shape is a sphere. But solar systems and galaxies don't have a bunch of rock exerting outward pressure. Instead, they start as huge, sparse clouds of gas and dust slowly spinning out in space. Gravity pulls them inward, just like it does with planets, but it's their orbital motion that pushes against gravity, and the equilibrium between those two forces takes a different shape. That shape is a flat spiral, or a flat solar system. Thanks for your question, Mohana. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-3208. Have you ever lowered your standards while waiting for the best option? I'm talking about those times you spent agonizing over when it was time to pull the trigger, as they say. Whether you were waiting for the right job offer, the right person to marry, or the right house to buy. People often joke that the longer you wait, the lower your standards get. And new research shows that it's more than a joke. When people are waiting for something better to come along, they tend to lower their standards. And they do it in a surprisingly predictable way. And look, I know it's hard to make a choice when options are presented one after another, as opposed to all at the same time. I mean, just imagine if you were able to see all of your potential job offers laid out before you on a platter. But that's not the way it works. You might get one job offer this week while waiting to hear back from your dream job. And you can't just leave that first offer hanging. So what should you do? Do you go for the job offer you have or turn it down and wait for the better one, which might not even come? Well, in a new study... Researchers asked participants to do something that probably feels familiar to most of us. Buy a plane ticket as cheaply as they could. The participants got 10 offers, one after another. And just like in real life, the price fluctuated as the departure dates drew closer. I have anxiety just thinking about this. When is the right time to buy? Well, in mathematics, this is known as an optimal stopping problem. And scientists have calculated the answer. You figure out the best deal out of the first 37% of your options, then choose the next option that beats that deal. 
Obviously, regular people don't all go around crunching the numbers on every transaction they make. Instead, we use different strategies. And the study found that we use what's called a linear threshold model. With every subsequent option we consider, we lower our standards by the same amount. So like for the flight, as every day passes, we resolve to pay even more for that plane ticket to get where we want to go. The same is true for non-financial choices, like choosing a romantic partner or a university. Standards are highest at the start, and as time goes on, they get lower and lower. But here's the thing. The participants who used this strategy didn't end up overpaying much. Sure, in the trials with the fewest good options, they did overpay by about 20%, but in other trials, the option they chose was pretty close to ideal. Lowering your standards isn't always bad. Sometimes it's a good way to land on the best option available. Before we wrap up, can we ask you to do us a quick favor? Curiosity Daily is in the running for the 15th Annual Podcast Awards, and we would love if you could visit podcastawards.com and give us a quick vote. We're in the categories of education and science and medicine, and bonus, you can vote for us for people's choice as well. All you got to do is quickly register at podcastawards.com, vote for us in education, science, and medicine, and people's choice. You can vote for other categories, but it's not mandatory. Click submit, and you're good to go. Fun weekend activity, Ashley. So fun. Fun and productive. And after the weekend, you can hear some pretty cool stuff on Curiosity Daily. Like what, Ashley? Like you'll learn about how you can stay happier and healthier by sticking to your routines, why the Earth's core doesn't melt, even though it's, you know, really hot, an audio illusion that sounds like a tone is rising forever, why you feel stronger after you exercise just one time, and more. Awesome. Well, now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that spies can use a lamp phone to eavesdrop on people. They measure the vibrations in a light bulb in the room to reconstruct speech or music, which is kind of frightening, but also very cool. But would it work if you're in the cone of silence? I don't know what that is. It's a Get Smart reference. <laughs> I barely remember Get Smart. I need to watch it again because I remember really enjoying it when I was a kid. Missed it by that much. <laughs> we also learned that that planetary model of the atom you've been seeing in science textbooks is wrong. Electrons don't orbit around the nucleus like planets. It's more like the nucleus is surrounded by a spherical cloud of buzzy electrons, not a flat solar system. On the other hand, planets move around our sun in a flat shape because of orbital motion that pushes against its gravity. And we learned that the reason you probably pay more for airplane tickets than you meant to in the beginning is because we lower our standards with each new option we consider. But this actually tends to work out pretty well for us. So don't worry too much. And this has to come into play with car dealerships. When's the last time you bought a car, Ashley? Uh, like six years ago. Was it the worst experience ever? I didn't go to a dealership. I just did it with a dude on Craigslist. Okay, that was very smart. Yeah, dealership purchases, one of the most agonizing, just horrific, drawn-out experiences of my life. Like, you go and you sit down and you say, okay, here's a price I'd like to offer. And they go, cool, I'm going to go check with my supervisor. And they come back 30 minutes later, 30 minutes, and I'll say, like, can you, can you knock off $800? And they'll say, okay, we knocked out $15. That's the best I can do. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, we're talking just, like, orders of magnitude that are comically, comically bad. 
And then I go, okay, uh, well, really, like, you're really close to a round number. You're at, like, you know, $6 above the 1000 So can you come down, like, 6 bucks? They leave, come back a half hour later. And then they're like, well, I could lower it $1.50, uh, and I'll throw in a free car wash. Like, it's so bad. It's so bad. And then they just wear you down. Like, I walked in with a number, and I think I paid, like, twice that number. Jeez. Just just buy a car online. I'm telling you, you'll save yourself thousands. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it's bad. Today's stories were written by Grant Curran, Ashley Hamer, and Kelsey Donk, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. Don't buy a car at a dealership. <laughs> Vote for us in the podcast awards. And then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.